Ready? You want the noise brought on you? Because here it comes. What? The noise brought on you? Because here it comes. This is my job. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. How do I turn the dial on a show I'm on? I feel like I got nowhere to go. Truth be told, a majority of the American people would ultimately empathize with our situation. Jeff Lutz. The reason there's no weaklings is because there's no stronglings. Nature versus nurture. Nature always wins. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Everything you need to make it happen. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday edition, the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH Radio. We're here for the next two hours. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz, your co-host. Max Power producing, engineering the show, 869-1240 is the hotline. Uh, so yesterday we started the show upset about the dismissal of Adrian Griffin, uh, our own Wichita's own, from the Milwaukee Bucks. They have now uh, apparently hired Doc Rivers as his replacement. It's pretty clear what those in the uh, higher positions of the Bucks thought needed to be done to make this team a legitimate championship team, and that's to bring in a veteran coach to handle fragile superstar egos. No, I think uh, bring in a veteran coach to improve the team and and scheme it better. And no, nah, it's about superstar egos. No, it's not. Yeah, it completely is. They have one superstar. What's Doc Rivers won uh, a championship. One. How many has uh, Adrian Griffin won? Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, won one as well. As an assistant. Well, they're 1-1 in terms of what I'm counting. So everybody on Nick Nurse's staff gets a, gets yeah. a one? Okay. I don't, you know I don't like I this. To I, I know and you I, don't like I this. I tuned into uh, TNT last night, and they had their B team on, except for Shaq. Uh, they didn't have Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, or Ernie Johnson. Right. Which is, which is upsetting. Why don't they do it? Who else was on? Dwayne Wade, Grant Hill? No, some. Uh, yeah, you'd, I'd, well, they went deep into the well. They had some NBA insider who I didn't know who seemed to be somewhat in touch. Uh, but their player, the player representative on there besides Shaq, was in my camp. This He didn't like this. Who was it? Can't remember. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I can't remember. A lot of times I can't remember. Well, I listened to Nor a, do I remember who the host was. I listened to a bunch of this stuff, and uh, Terry Stotts was a guy who left no. Adrian Griffin's staff uh, because he was yelled at during a practice, said this isn't worth it. Yelled at by who? Adrian Griffin. Uh, the, Adrian Griffin yelled at a that's guy? apparently I've the never story. Heard. Uh, he was berated, in fact, is, was the word I used. Uh, well, he, now, wait a minute. Where would you hear that? I listened to a podcast this morning. Got a lot of information. Whose podcast? It was Bill Simmons, but he had on Kevin O'Connor, who's a deep, deep, strong NBA insider. KOC, they call him. And he gave a lot of information, specific information, that was uh, pretty enlightening. So I'm supposed to believe that Adrian Griffin berated Terry Stotts in a practice. Well, somebody did, and it made Terry Stotts quit Adrian Griffin's staff so I can only imagine that person was Adrian Griffin. Well, that just seems completely out of character. And Terry Stotts, a guy who had coached Portland when Damian Lillard was there, so that's kind of let's make our new superstar a little more happy, and you know, a lot of a lot of positive uh, things who knows? could have emerged from. So that. you're now on the side of 
getting rid of Adrian. Again, I'm telling you. No, I want to know where I'm you not, are. I'm not sides. I Me, listen. Take a side. I listen to the facts. And no, then I you come, listen to other people's opinions. No, they're, the they, he provided facts. There was no opinion. Give me a fact. Uh, the way that they played defense, the the players didn't enjoy. They had they they had too many switches. So Giannis and uh, some of their other lengthy guys. I don't remember if it was Middleton. It wasn't Lopez because they eventually were able to correct what they were doing wrong with him. But they had too many big guys on the perimeter after switching and weren't able to get to the offensive glass and weren't able to protect the rim. So that was uh, one piece of, of information. It's, these, are the, these are the guys that watch the game, watch all the games, right, and know what every team's doing. So I tend to believe that. And uh, players weren't happy with the defensive schemes, and no, here's what bad. happened. It's too bad you've come down on the side. No, there's no side. Of those who would want Adrian Griffin out of that job. And I'm not a Bucks fan. Well, that took a month. Because you were, right? Because of Adrian Griffin. Okay, well, he, if he wasn't doing that good of a job, why do you continue to defend 30 him? 30 and 13. Right. That's pretty good. It is. If the Cardinals start 30 and 13 this year, I can guarantee you they will not fire Oliver Marmol. Probably not. And if they did, I'd be dismayed. My head would spin. But if... if uh Basketball is different, right? Because now Giannis has to just drag them to these victories. Giannis is the guy who's got them at 30 and 13 because he's the first, second, or third best player on the planet and has taken over a bunch of games. Well, who are the other two if you're going to go three? Jokic and Embiid. What about Luka? He's right there. He hasn't won an MVP yet. All those three guys have. Let's talk about guys who are in the Hall of Fame, in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, that news came out last night after our show. Uh, Adrian Beltre, near unanimous. And then Todd Helton and Joe Maurer's first year on the ballot just got in. Uh, the third time a catcher has been uh, named to the Hall of Fame, his first year on the ballot joining Johnny Bench and Pudge Rodriguez. And Joe Maurer caught about half of his games in his big league career. Not a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Why not? But, uh, but I just don't, I don't see it. He was a three catcher batting for half of his catcher. career. Okay, but he won three batting titles as a catcher. That's... And when he changed, when he went to first base in DH, great. he became just kind of an average guy. A little above, but not a, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, he had some very good years, but he couldn't hang at catcher. Well, he had concussions. That's not totally fair to judge him off of that. And I was the biggest anti-Joe Maurer guy when he played. I, I like Joe Maurer. I couldn't stand him because he played in my division and, and hurt us and everything like that. But, you know, you got to see. He's, a, he's in the – he should be a Hall of Famer, just not on the first ballot. we got to reserve some things. If you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer. No, nah, I, don't, I don't buy that. There's some prestige that comes with first ballot. When we there's, talk about is, Hall of Famers, be. we always judge people. When I talk to you about Shohei Otani, we know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. The question is, is he a first ballot Hall of Wasn't Famer? Wasn't like Joe DiMaggio not a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't think Yogi Berra was. There was a time uh, in like the 50s or 60s, nobody was getting in on the first ballot. And you had this backlog where eventually like 30 guys 
who eventually got in were all on the same ballot. And it's crazy. Well, there's a bunch of guys who uh, here. Here's a list of first ballot Hall of Famers. Now, this is going to take me a minute. Okay. Sure. Beltre, David Ortiz, Mauer, uh, Mauer, Derek Jeter, Mar- Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, Chipper Jones, Jim Tomey, Pudge, Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson. These are recent. Pedro Martinez, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. Frank Thomas, Ricky Henderson, Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken, Wade Box, Dennis Eckersley, uh, Paul Molitor, this was in this century, Eddie Murray, Ozzie Smith, Kirby Puckett, Dave Winfield. And then before that, George Brett, Nolan Ryan, Robin Yount, Mike Schmidt, the superstars. Joe Maurer is not a superstar. I don't think it's, it's a problem, and this is what you get when you don't induct Barry Bonds and you don't in- induct Roger Clemens, and I get everyone's well, reasons the, the for that. The light's still working, Cooperstown. You don't need to induct I get everybody's reasons for you that. You understand what I'm saying? But when the there's— The light's still working, Cooperstown. There's no need to induct Barry Bonds and Roger. Why are you not acknowledging my— it's dumb. <laughs> uh, and we could Please acknowledge it. It's dumb. No matter what you it's think. Dumb. No matter what you think of it. Can we, see, when you get me talking baseball, I'm not usually not in the mood— for hilarity. Cause this Thank is, you. So it's hilarious. No. Your attempts at hilarity. Frivolities. Uh, you know, levity. I don't want that. Uh, well, we ruined the Hall of Fame ballot. I'm not saying we ruined the Hall of Fame, but it got backlogged, and now all these guys are off, and there's no real... Su- I'm looking at first ballot Hall of Famers here. There's just not anybody who is not a, an absolute superstar in the game. Uh, Stardom, right. McCovey, Brock, uh, Rob, Brooks Robinson, Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Bob Gibson, Al K- I mean, they're all just... All the superstars are steroid-linked, including guys like David Ortiz and Pudge Rodriguez. Uh, now you're not going to vote in Alex Rodriguez. You're not going to vote in Manny Ramirez. Gary Sheffield's still on the ballot. So you end up with guys like Joe Maurer. That's your generation's doing. That's, that's my, your I'm uppity. Proud of my generation. That's your uppity, just, uh, just too much. I'm proud of my generation. You shouldn't be. Because we could have cleared. How will my generation, how will my generation be regarded in 30 years? When most of us are gone. Just what, as what will the they most say about self-centered it? But every generation self-centered, except, I think, Gen X. I think uh, they uh, kind of just, you aren't know. are you in Gen X? No, I'm a, I'm a old millennial. Who's Gen X? Like the generation sort of after you, graduates in the 1980s, high school graduates. Hmm. So they're, you know. I have to think about that. Um, so they're in their late 50s, early 60s. Anyway, congratulations. I don't, I'm not, it's not like I'm on a rampage about it joe mauer is a hall of famer in my opinion i i don't have a problem with it i just want i want to make sure we don't just you know wave guys in right but you understand me, all billy the wagner's best, more of a hall of famer than not joe even mauer. close not even close look at billy wagner he didn't number. even pitch a thousand innings dude do you understand why how billy wagner, he was why would billy wagner get in and not k-rod but billy wagner was more dominant I guess. Now, K-Rod had let me 62 ask you saves this. in a year. So in four years, I think, the class of 2028, will Albert 
and Yadier go in together on the first ballot? Probably. Ah, oh, I'll go to Cooper. I don't know how old. How old will I be at that time? Seventy-nine. No, no. I be real. Know. I'll be seventy-two, almost seventy-three. That ceremony will t- take place in July of twenty twenty-eight. You will be seventy-three. And uh, there's no way I can't be in Cooperstown for that, is there? Well, you better go. I, I assume, in, unless we continue this backlog of of guys not getting in when they should, then they'll probably go in together on the first ballot. But if is Yachty a first ballot if yeah. Joe Maurer isn't? Absolutely. He caught his entire career. I understand that. I mean, that's that's valuable. That's value. So is uh, what Joe Maurer. I don't did. disagree. I'm not. All, all I'm saying is, he. Sh- I don't think he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. Not next year. Great. I, I just have something about being a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, and, and well, some I get people it. out there would probably say, why, why, why would Yadier Molina be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Gold gloves, leadership, made himself a hitter, drove in over a thousand runs uh, in his career. Uh, to me, he's a no-brain first ballot Hall of Famer. Arguably the best defensive catcher of all time. Arguably. Uh, Ichiro will go in next year. We'll see C. Sabathia get in on, on the first ballot. Not, he shouldn't. 251 wins. Although in this day and age, he's going to get close. One of five pitchers with 250 wins, a 600 winning percentage, and 3,000 strikeouts. No, I love CC. He's a Hall of Famer. But, man, watch out on that first ballot stuff. Is he Sandy Koufax? Those are the guys that get in on the first ballot. The year 2026, nobody first ballot will get in. I'm looking through 2027. No, doesn't, Posey will probably get in. First ballot, we'll see. And then 2028, that's when you have Molina, Pujols, and that's it. Steven Vogt, he'll probably get in. <laughs> So Molina and Pujols are probably the only uh, players likely to get in in the next three years. And Posey. And Posey. And whoever, probably Andrew Jones. And the Veterans and Committee people. Billy Wagner will get in. No, I think I think uh, Andrew, is he off the ballot no. now? Yeah, he'll, they'll get some of these people in. Yeah. But first ballot guys. I think Gary have... Sheffield should be in. What about his steroid length? I don't think, I, I don't think. I don't think he did it. He admitted using cream. No, we've all used cream. The cream. No, we've all used cream. I don't. You? I what? don't believe he's used. I had a steroid. Right. Recently, everybody takes gets. I mean, that's it. Didn't help my performance. That's why we're picking nits over. Over. Yeah, it does. No, it didn't. Man, they gave me a steroid a couple times when I was sick. I was an animal. It didn't. It did. Ask my wife. It didn't improve my performance. Uh, please, can we dump that? <laughs> and I believe you, but sometimes I'm just hitting my stride, man. You. I mean, that's something you want to admit on the radio. I think I'm hitting my stride as a comedian slash radio host. <laughs> your stride is getting much shorter, though. That's the At problem. At what point will you, on your way over here to do this show, just say, I, "I'm done. I don't. I don't want to do it with this guy anymore." Uh, he's bothering me because it's obvious I get under your skin. Well, yeah. Uh, at what point will that preempt you from? It won't. 
Why? Because it doesn't I matter. I stand doing this with somebody that got under my skin. I get under your skin all the time. No, you really don't. I, You really don't, except you, you, you irritate me at times. What's the difference? Look it up. I don't want to. But uh, there's no there's no getting under skin. Uh, here's what we have for you on the show today at 225. Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com. K-State with a interesting road trip that starts tonight in Ames against Iowa State. Then they go to Houston. Uh, so a two-game stretch. That we'll see what Fitz thinks about it, but I think it'll tell us a lot about the Wildcats. At 245, Taylor Dugan, the head girls basketball coach at Bishop Carroll, her alma mater. They are one loss, Bishop Carroll. They play in the Newton tournament. That, uh, that all starts tomorrow night. And then at 3 o'clock, Mike Furches makes his weekly appearance here on the show. Uh, the proud owner of a new dog who strayed away for a little bit. Fortunately, came back. We're able to find him. Uh, What's the name of the dog? I don't remember. Bruno? Uh, yeah, I saw the post. I didn't uh, didn't catch the no name. No empathy at all. What uh, do you mean? Well, that, uh, why didn't you uh, reach out? We, My wife and I uh, spent hours talking uh, about it. Has Mike Furches ever had a day of his life where something huge didn't happen? Now, why are you saying? So, you know he's listening. I'm just asking. Here's the thing about Mike that I, I appreciate. It's an open book. And he shares his innermost feelings, thoughts, and I read them all. Really? I read every Facebook post he puts out there. Because I'm not a cold-hearted you-know-what like you are. Am I cold-hearted? You are to some degree. That hurts my feelings. No, you really are. To some degree, you are. I don't think that's true. Here's what you don't relate to. People in their 60s and the constant thought of our own mortality and have we done enough? Have we checked the boxes? Are we good? Uh, what I just we, don't understand worrying about that. What can we share? What can, because you want to leave a mark. Why? It's just important to some people. It's important to Mike to leave a mark. That's kind of, what, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I suppose. I think the world is better for people like that who want to do good, who want to uh push some kind of an agenda i want to do want good to be heard but i could not care less if someone and notices fine. or not that's you that's you but to say well why is he on facebook why i didn't yeah you, you that's essentially it just seems what like, you're saying it just seems like he lives a monumental life i would be stressed out if i were him he doesn't live a monumental life he likes to share his thoughts on all kinds of topics He's a preacher at heart, right? Sure. That's what he is. And I value his uh, Facebook posts and his input and his thoughts. And even if I don't agree with all of them, good for him to share them. I think everybody makes a mark in their own way. Well, I don't know. I, it, it, again, don't backtrack. If it doesn't matter to you about making a mark, stick with it. Well, it doesn't. Okay. We're all going to be Don't forgotten about someday. It. Okay. That's fine. Then go ahead. It's it's perfectly fine if you want to live your life behind the curtain. That's okay. Okay. Mike chooses not to. That's good. I choose not to uh to some degree. 
uh, you choose two. There you go. It takes all kinds of people. Sure in does. The world. I love both of you guys a lot. Well, I don't know if Mike's going to return the love after that. <laughs> well, I just like to explore. You got to be careful, man. I like to explore perspectives. I'm not criticizing him. But if you're going to get to the bottom of something, you might as well start at the top. You know what I'm saying? Nope. We'll take a break yeah, when we do. come back. Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com. We'll, cut, we'll talk K-State mostly basketball, the men's and women's version. K-State women, of course, having a tremendous season. Tim Fitzgerald next. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, Weird Al with I Lost on Jeopardy. Novelty Factor, the musical theme of the week. Uh, we're uh, pushing for Tim Fitzgerald. Of course, whenever this kind of stuff happens, I wonder if I sent him the right time, and I did. Uh, so we'll get him. Of course we will. He'll be there. There he is. Here is Fitz, Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. Uh, hey, Fitz, how are you? Hi, boys. How are we doing? Well, you know, it's the dead of winter, and we're just trying to survive, I guess. Basketball keeping us afloat. <laughs> Let's start uh, with the K-State women, because I yeah. I am so impressed by what they're doing and have done. Ranked number four in the country now, coming off a road win uh, the other night at Baylor, number 13, and doing it with Ioka Lee right now, who's uh, injured, should be back, I believe, in a week or so. Uh Man, did you see this coming from this team? I knew they'd be good. I mean, I, they're actually better than what I thought. And what I didn't fully appreciate about the job Coach Mitty's done is, look, he had a pretty good team last year with Lee injured. <clears throat> and she misses the entire year. And they're still competitive in the Big 12. They're still good. You went out and found some players that could, you know, play without her. But then in the offseason, knowing full well he was going to get her back, he had even more parts. He has such a deep bench right now. So many different people that can come in and do different things for him. Um, yeah, he's got a core group, but he's got some role players that come off that bench and do a lot for him. Um, and now they're stepping forward. I, in fact, my daily delivery video today is about Serena Sandell, who's my favorite player on the team to watch because she's such a smart point guard. She makes so many things happen. And now with Lee out, she's up to her scoring game and and um, seems to be playing an even bigger role. But to lose your star, go on the road, you know, beat your rival at home, and then go on the road and beat the 13th-ranked team in the nation without your star, kind of your, your centerpiece. And I, it's it's impressive by the team and, and Coach Mitty. It's really impressive. What are what are kind of the, the overall 
opinions just about uh, Jeff Mitty's body of work, not only with K-State, but he won a bunch, of, a bunch of games with TCU. He's got over 600 wins in the in the college game. Obviously, he's not going to be mentioned in the in the Pat Summit, Gino Oriema, Tara Vandeveer conversation, but where is he in, in such a conversation? I think it's fair to say throughout his career, he's been solid. He's been, um, you know, well above average. He's won a lot of games. Uh, he's, he's stayed employed, which is always the, the number one goal of a coach. And, um, you know, he settles in now for a ride at K-State. And I, I think with the changing landscape of college basketball, and it's impacting the women's game, obviously, from what we're seeing this season, he now sees an opportunity to take this program to a level it's never been to. And it was really good, you know, during those Kinder-Wecker years back in the day uh, with Nicole Oldie and Lori Kane and all those other players. But this team has something more to it. This team feels like a legitimate Final Four team. Those teams felt like Sweet 16, really good teams. This feels like a team that could actually compete for a national championship if they stay healthy, get everyone back. Um, and when they get Lee back in, you know, three weeks or whatever it is now, she should be rested for the run on the stretch. And in an odd way, I think that's played out well for K-State. Talking uh, with Tim Fitz- Fitzgerald from GoPowerCat.com, our K-State guy. Uh, speaking of basketball, the men's team has uh, rebounded and played well uh, of late. They have a very interesting road trip. It starts tonight in Ames against Iowa State, where very few teams go into the Hilton Coliseum and win. And then... Uh, they go on the road to play Houston over the weekend. What do they need to do in this two-game stretch, in your opinion? Uh, you know what? If you can steal one of these games, you're so far ahead of the curve. Um, they take a little farther. We talked about this in our podcast yesterday, that out of the next seven, six are ranked. So this kind of feels like the heart of the schedule, uh, the meat. Um, and you know what? The beauty of their start is, you go two and five in those seven, which is, you know, kind of the maybe the worst-case scenario that you can see this team doing, um, you're at 500 in the conference. So you're still on pace to make the tournament. Uh, but you steal a game or two along the way, and you go, you know, three and four, four and three, uh, you're going to be up there contending for the, the Big 12. If you can find a way to win four out of the next seven, you'll be, you know, I got to do math clear real quick. You'll be seven and four. Um I think I still screwed it up uh, coming out of that. And, um, you know, I think you'll be an eight and four. You'll be really in good shape. So it, it's an interesting stretch for the men. But, yeah, starting tonight at Iowa State is really tough. But, man, this one, they've won up there before. If they can get this one and move on, they're going to be, you know, ahead of steam and a lot of confidence going to Houston. So this team has won five overtime games. There were a couple others. Uh, you know, Wichita State, Chicago State, where they didn't really r- run away with it. Does that indicate to you that there are underlying, I don't know if struggles is the right word, but but whatever word you want to choose there, or is this this team just finds ways to win, and who cares about style points? No, there's, there's something to be said about that. I was very concerned, you know, particularly coming out of that Chicago State game as they headed into the Big 12. They just they didn't look like they were competing at that level, but Jerome Tang did it last year, and he did it again this year. So it's like he literally flipped the switch with his team and, you know, puts it all together. Once the Big 12 starts, okay, we worked on this and this and this and this, now we're going to put it all together. And it seems to work. It's the darndest thing I've ever seen. 
I think we can all agree that this team doesn't pass the eye test quite like last year's team. Last year's team got out and ran. They scored easily. Uh, you know, they, they just were kind of entertaining to watch because of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson and Naquan. And well, the dudes are gone. I mean, this team's less high-flying. Uh, but whatever the formula is that recipe is Jerome Tang and his coaches use, it'll work. It's a really good defense. They score just enough to win. Uh, somehow they're turning the ball over at an unacceptable clip and winning. Uh, and that's that's an area where if they can get it under control, uh, they could really take off. And uh, look, they've had 18, 17, and 17 turnovers the last three games. They lost the one with 18. They nearly won the ones with 17. And that seems to be the line that they can't cross. But to win tonight and then Saturday in Houston, that number better be a 12 max, if not lower. Uh, and both of those team wanna, teams can turn you over quite a bit. Talking with Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com. We all know the uh, topsy-turvy nature of college athletics. You can be good, and suddenly then you're not good. So I want to ask you historically, because you've certainly been around Kansas State athletics for uh, many years, has there ever been a period in time where the wheels were greased as well as they're greased right now? In men's basketball, football, women's basketball, it looks like they're going to have a really good baseball team. I'm not as aware of some of the other sports, but it just seems like it's going extraordinarily well right now at Kansas State. And volleyball ended on a furious. I mean, they, that's they true. They swept a couple top ten teams at home down down the stretch three zero, which is including Texas. Uh, it's unbelievable what they did late in the year. They should have gotten the tournament. But they didn't. That program under coach, um, you know, another coach that Gene Taylor hired. Um, they're good. They're and they're going to be around. I don't know, man. I think a lot of other ads are going to be calling up Gene and saying, "What what are you looking for that you're finding all these coaches that have been so successful?" And the bottom line, he's looking for good people that'll fit into the culture. And uh, you know, of course, the coaching part's important, but he wants people that want to be at K State because it's K State and not it not the next step in their career. Do you think? Uh, do you think the uh, the tension between the university administration and and the basketball program as ease? Is that something that's just bubbling under? Will it resurface at some point? Uh, what, what do you think about all that? Uh, well, you know, basketball's in its season. You know, they, they're not, there's nothing going on on that front right now. They're in season, and the university has a lot more things to worry about. Um, but they're, they're under a cyber attack, and they, they, they've tried to play it down and, and kind of play it low, but uh, every student and faculty member on campus, anyone with a KSU uh, email address or access to the system has to change their password. Uh, we're not sure if it's ransomware or just a cyber attack, but the university's kind of crippled with their teaching systems, everything. Um, so that's kind of the worry now of Anderson Hall and maybe some regrets that one of the people that was fired along the way on campus was the IT director that might have known how to prevent this. So it's, uh, it's a little chaos on the K-State campus. Wow. I didn't know that. That's like scary yeah. stuff. Uh, I shivered a little bit thing. here on that. Don't want to fire your IT guy ever. Yeah, that that was one of the first things he did. He fired the IT and the HR person. Um, and you know, I, look, I know when you come in, you want your own people, but you can't cut your nose off either. And it looks like they were caught a little, you know, with their pants down on this one. They they did not, they were not prepared for it. They had no idea how to handle it. 
And the wor- the most worrisome thing is, is teachers are all gone digital. Their 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 lessons, their tape lectures, they're all stored in a system now that uh, is inaccessible and may be lost. Years and years of work product for the faculty might be lost because of this IT attack. Good grief. Tim Fitzgerald, it, this took a dark turn, our interview with Fitz. Uh, <laughs> let me ask, let me ask you this question. <laughs> let me ask you this question, and it might be really stupid, but I was just looking here, and, and Kansas has lost a couple games on the road to inferior opponents, uh, UCF, which has played pretty well, and al- also on the road to West Virginia. And you've got now Houston, Cincinnati, uh, BYU. Next year, you get Arizona coming into the conference. Is this a point where KU is maybe susceptible to being overthrown at the top of the Big Twelve? Is that is that crazy thinking? No, it's not. Um, and but you know, honestly, probably to get it done, it's going to have to be Houston, and they have two road losses. I. KU's just not as deep as they have been. I mean, Saturday's game, I think, when only the starters scored, and that's never a good sign. Uh, but I also know that Bill Self's the best coach in college basketball. You know, you'll find ways to win games they shouldn't win. Uh, but this conference is exceedingly difficult to win on the road, which, you know, is exactly what troubles K-State going on the road for two games this week. And, uh, you know, winning at UCF and West Virginia might have seemed like gimmies, but there's no gimmies in this conference on the road. There just aren't. It's just it's a, an amazing, entertaining, what I call a glorious mess of a conference. So, Fitz, I don't, I'm not trying to be like holier-than-thou guy, but I decided last week to get off Twitter, and a large part of that was the way people interact with you because I was seeing it, you were quoting them, you were replying to them, and I know you got to be on Twitter to – promote your work and things like that but man why why Fitz why are you on there it's yeah exactly without work I would be gone and I used to enjoy Twitter um you know I mean obviously we every tweet was a joke and fun this account used to be like my private account I used to have work account but nobody paid any attention to the work account so it switched everything here and it's amazing how people police old tweets and you know tweets that at the time nobody batted an eye about, and then they read them with no context because most of the tweets to which I was replying are gone. It's just a, it's a, people are just, anymore in this society, they, they seek outrage, they seek conflict, and uh, they seek trying to tear people down to make themselves feel better. And I'm just not going to, you know, I, I replied to some of them, but when you clearly explain what a tweet is, um, and they, they just don't even want to listen. They're not worth talking to. So I've just I've been blocking a lot of people. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. After this past couple of weeks, um, I I'm pretty sure that if it wasn't work related, I just I'd leave Twitter behind because it's it's filled with with crap talkers now. And I eagerly await the day. And believe me, you know we all talk about well, you shouldn't tweet it then it would come back. You know we didn't think about that. What these people aren't thinking about is. I don't think it's too far down the road before uh, AI can connect all these anonymous accounts to real identities. And when that happens, there's going to be a lot of people sorry that their hobby was talking crap on Twitter, trying to ruin people's lives because then they'll be in the crosshairs. Yeah, there you go. Well, what a conversation today. 
uh, that was a weird a breach one. of the, yeah. Loved it. Uh, there you go. Fitz, we always love having you on. Thanks for your time. Thanks. And, and Jeff, thanks for asking me about that. Cause it's, it's bull crap. What's been going on and, and, um, uh, to take stuff so wildly out of context and try to ruin someone. I'm just, I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to keep doing my job. People that know me, know me and screw them. Absolutely. There you go. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, boys. All right, Taylor Dugan joins us. She's the girls' basketball coach at Bishop Carroll. They are 8-1 and one, heading into the Newton tournament tomorrow night where they face Newton, the host team, as the number one seed, Bishop Carroll, the number one seed. Taylor, welcome. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, good. You got a good basketball team this year. How good? We're yeah, we're pretty good. I mean, <laughs> we're we're still learning every day. I feel like I feel like we're uh, constantly learning and never settling, and you know, just trying to keep winning basketball games. But we have a, I don't know, it's a fun time to to play with the tournament coming up and um, getting some different competitions. So I'm excited. So you're going to uh, Newton this week. What is it like when you don't go as far from home? I assume you're probably not going to be staying in the hotels or anything like that. How do you kind of recreate that uh, that bonding experience that uh, you usually get when you're playing those three days, three games in three days? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, we all take the we ride together on the bus. We have pregame meal together, which they usually do, but we'll go and. And um, Newton provides a meal too, so that's always nice. So we can go up there and and we'll we'll have a pregame meal and and just kind of you know do the little things, make sure we're getting together before the games. And we have shoot arounds, you know, where normally before games, you know, we have practice and we have time to prepare. But we'll have little shoot arounds before we'll we'll kind of prepare for the next team. So um, things will be different, but we're just honestly we're just trying to. To stay healthy, we have like just little nagging injuries that are that are here and there that we're trying to to keep healthy because we're playing. I mean, we play five games in seven days starting yesterday, <laughs> so it's it's a lot wow. of fun. I told the girls, I said it's fun to play games, but we just have to have to hang in there. Taylor Dugan with us from Bishop Carroll, former Bishop Carroll player who played at uh, Wichita State. So your only loss this year is the Heights. They've got Kip Pulliam yeah. back and. They're obviously a, a tremendously good team and, and loaded. Is that now yeah. the barometer? Is that uh, Heights is Heights has always been pretty good, but under Kip they've been great. And mm-hmm. uh, how do you feel about that rivalry? Because that's such a long-standing rivalry between Bishop yeah. Carroll and Heights. Yeah, I mean, I we're it is a long. Even when I played, it was it was a huge rivalry. So you're right, it's long-standing and and. Um, I, I mean, I love it. We'll be, we're always going to come in with our, you know, best plan and, and be ready to go. But they they are loaded, like you said, this year. So it's a little bit different um, in that we're just having to make sure we're preparing for, you know, 10 girls that could come in and just, just play. So they're they're a very, very good team. And, and um, yeah, we played them really tough. I would say I was really proud of our girls that game. Uh, we came out, you know, we, we hadn't lost yet, but we – came out and we knew you know we kind of knew what they were all about and we went out there and the girls really battled I thought I thought we played a really good game um but obviously they got us in the end and and that's how it goes but it's it it was good for us you know to play a team like that and um you know hopefully going into this tournament we'll we'll play uh some good competition as well so we can keep getting prepared for postseason 
Does does that loss, and I I hate to zero in on your one loss because, like you said, <laughs> you're you're pretty good. But does that does that change your mentality at all? You've won the last three city league championships. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone wants to be there. Does that make you yeah. feel a little bit more like the hunter as opposed to the hunted? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I mean, we definitely um, have to go. It is. It's a different. We've always, every year though, like last year I felt like um, it was one of those things where I knew we were going to be very good. This year we're, we're less experienced at the varsity, you know, than we were last year. We have less, less girls that had played varsity playing. And last year I just knew we had, you know, a lot of those components to just, to just get anybody. And, and I still feel that way. I still feel like we can, um, but we just have, we definitely have a different mindset and how we approach things this year than we did um, last year and maybe the years in the past. But as far as heights goes, it's just, I just think they're, they're a completely different team this year. So you just kind of have to prepare differently and, and hope for the best, but it definitely is, it definitely is different. Is it really 20 years since you graduated from Bishop Carroll? Yeah. Is that, was that, is this relevant? What are we talking about? You didn't about? want me to mention that. <laughs> I just saw it on, hey, they put it on the website. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes. Yeah, no, that was a terrible, that was a terrible just, statement. My apologies. <laughs> yeah. No, it has been 20 years. That's exactly right. That's exactly so right. Anyway, yes. You've got Kyrie Kinder on your staff, and she's obviously an outstanding player from the area as well. Did you play with her at Wichita State? Yeah, we did. Uh-huh. We were in the same class. Well, tell us yep. how that relationship and friendship developed to the point now where she's one of your assistant coaches. Yeah, I mean, we played together even in high school, like on summer teams we played together, um, and then we developed a good friendship, and obviously we were teammates through high, through um, Wichita State just from playing together before. You know, I kind of – we kind of gravitated towards each other since we knew each other ahead of time. So – she was always a good friend of mine and a good teammate for four years. Then we obviously went our separate ways and um, after college. And then when I uh, moved back to Wichita, we I called her because this job came open and I was able to, um, you know, become Bishop Carroll's basketball coach, which seems crazy that it was uh, 12 years ago, which is insane to me. But um, and <laughs> so I called her right away and just said, you know, what do you think? Would you want to coach with me? Because I knew she was back too. She lived in Colorado for a while. So we were both back and it just was good timing and the right timing. And, um, my, and, and that's kind of how it happened. And then our other assistant coaches actually played with me at Bishop Carroll, Casey Lager. She's, um, you know, like our C team and varsity assistant. So we have all these basketball ties from the past that are coaching with us. So it's good. By the way, it's been 51 years since I graduated from high school, but we don't need to talk about that either. <laughs> Which is very relevant, Taylor. That's very relevant. Use that against him. <laughs> I, okay, we, we could talk all about that. That's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's also kind of crazy that uh, you were the last City League player to go to Wichita State uh, between 04 and 2020 when Ella Ancio went. Do you uh-huh. see that uh, changing? Have you uh, talked with uh, oh. Terry Nooner much? Do you do you see that as something that could be reversed? I would love for it to be reversed. I um, haven't talked to him yet. So, you know, I hope to. I hope to. I would love for girls to be able to play um, in the area still. I think that it just doesn't happen as much as it used to. I mean, when I played, there was a lot of girls around the area 
um, on that Wichita State team and out of, out, of, out of state too, obviously. But it would be it would be great. It would you know keep. I think it would be good for people to be able to go see girls that have played in the city league or around the area to go watch them at Wichita State. It's fun. It's great that Ella's there. It's great, and she's doing a great job. So. Um, yeah, I would love that. That would be great. It's, it's, it's always good when you can keep girls around. So uh, Bishop Carroll, we're talking with their uh, head girls coach, Taylor Dugan. They play tomorrow night up in Newton or over in Newton against Newton. Oh. Uh, also in that field, Goddard Eisenhower, Wichita Trinity, and then on the other side of the bracket, St. James Academy, Olathe Northwest, Shawnee Mission Northwest, and Dodge City. It's good uh, to have Kind of some local teams in this tournament, but then some teams from the Northeast too. Yeah, yeah, and it it is good. And you know, if we're if we're fortunate enough to to win these next two games on Thursday, Friday, then I'm I you know I kind of hope we get to play St. James. They were third at state last year. We took second, and we we've just never played them. But they play St. Thomas, and um, who we lost to at state last year. But it's just kind of a we've played Olathe Northwest, we've played Shawnee Mission in the past, so. Um, I would like to play, you know, St. James. It'd be a great challenge for us, and um, any of those teams would, you know, from Kansas City in the area. I just hope we can we can get to that championship game and and see some different competition. Yeah. Well, congratulations, and uh, on a, on what's been a very good year. We hope it continues, and uh, I very much wish I hadn't called out your graduation <laughs> year, but hey, it's water hey, under I'm the bridge. Kidding. I'm teasing. You know what? I think that it should be called out because it was actually the first time girls basketball ever won state at Bishop Carroll. So it's kind of cool. It's a kind of a milestone anyway. So it's good to call out. I well, need to tell my girls that. That was, a very, that was a very fun team. I, I enjoyed watching you girls yeah, play. Thanks. Well, then I'll repeat it. Taylor Dugan, yeah, the 2004 <laughs> graduate of Bishop Carroll. Okay. There you go. See, you're so relevant. Good job. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> Thank it. Thank you, Taylor. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thanks. All right. Uh, fun interview. Like her. And they've got a good team. And she's uh, obviously very much invested because that's where she played her high school basketball at Bishop Carroll. Uh, all right. We'll take a break. We've got an hour left. Mike Furches will join us after the break. We're going to talk pop culture, a lot of uh, Academy Award. I'm sure Mike will have some thoughts on being called out by Jeff earlier in the show. I didn't call him out. And uh, we'll see what Mike says about all that as our good friend joins us after this.